Good morning, and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. Growing up, I did not think that Orthodox Jews were a funny bunch. In fact, I thought that Orthodox Jews were extremely serious, and I don't think that I am alone in having this uh, misperception uh, about the community, because when we did a Man on the Street interview a few years ago to see what your average New Yorker thinks or thinks he knows about Orthodox Jews, um, the sort of message that we got again was serious, a quietness, you know, keep to themselves. Um, and I think this is more connected to the Hasidic community. And I've actually challenged Hasidic men, like, how come no one smiles? Like, what, you know, what what's going on there? But um, as the larger world sort of views Orthodox Jews through, I would say, the most sort of visibly Orthodox and the most ultra-looking of the group, that sort of becomes the perception of the group at large. But in truth, um, Jews happen to be a funny people, and um, Orthodox Jews happen to be part of the Jewish people. And so um, there's probably a lot to say about what drives so many Jews to comedy. Probably it's, you know, somewhat of our pain and maybe somewhat of our cleverness. It's how we deal and cope with, you know, sort of the challenges of being Jews through, through the generations. Um, but today we are going to speak to a, a Orthodox comedian whose name is Ellie Leibowitz, and um, he is a stand-up comic. It's actually, it's really what I would do if I wasn't doing this, which maybe sounds crazy, but um, my grandmother, when I was a child, told me I was going to grow up to be a comedian one day, and so I still kind of feel like maybe one day I'm going to try to break out into stand-up. So, Ellie, maybe this can be a little learning experience for me, so thank you so much for joining us. No, happy to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. So, if you could tell us a little bit about, um, you know, what your background was like growing up Jewishly, and um, I guess what humor was like for you growing up, and then kind of take us through the journey of uh, how you became an Orthodox stand-up comic. So, where did you grow up? Sure. How did you grow up? I'm originally from Chicago, Illinois, um, born and raised, a lifelong Cubs fan, which um, I say is the most Jewish of the sports teams because it was, a, you know, I used to say there's a Gemara that says you get asked six questions and you go up to Shemayim, and one of them is where you're anticipating Mashiach coming, and I was just going to say, yeah, I was a Cubs fan, but uh, <laughs> as evident from a couple years ago when they won the World Series, so uh, we're still waiting on that one, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I grew up in Chicago. Um, I didn't really do stand-up until I got to uh, YU uh, in about 2008 when I uh, my friends were organized. Tony Gutterman and Tony Collette were setting up a uh, Hask fundraiser. They're having a last comic standing night, and that was really good. And they said, hey, do you want to have people try out? And I was one of the first one of the people to, to do it, and that was the first time I ever did it on stage. I didn't think I did a very good job, probably not, and most, most people on the first time. Um, but you know what? It's, it, it, it went okay enough, and I was always that person at, like, Shabbat's table who made people laugh, and I was just like, all right, let me uh, keep doing this. Um, one thing I did when I was in Chicago, I was a vendor at Wrigley Field, and so I would get to kind of make jokes as I walked around the stadium, you know, just selling peanuts and selling stuff and having a good time doing that. So that kind of prepped me for it. Um, so yeah, you went uh, to YU. You went to YU not to become a comedian, not to become a stand-up comic. What What did you set out to study originally? Ooh, I mean, I studied. I majored in psychology there, which is mm -hmm. a classic. I don't know what I'm doing with my life major. Um, sure. I also 
I'd be surprised if anybody goes to YU to be a comedian. I guess some people do, um, you know. But uh, I I didn't have any any thinking of necessarily doing it um, until this contest in you know, 2008 was when I first started, and then I did another fun. I did like a uh, there was a fundraiser for Stay Road uh, at Stand Up New York uh, in 2009, which was like six, six months later, and those were the first couple times I did it, and then. It was just something I fell into. I started doing because they have these new talent shows in the city at Caroline, um, at Stand Up New York, at Gotham Comedy Club. At Comics was the comedy club in the city, and I just started doing it more and more. And um, you know, it was it was something fun and something that if you're not scared of public speaking, I figured why not keep doing it. Right. So, like, I'm also someone that. Um... I like public speaking, and I think for so many people, I mean, there's this Seinfeld joke, more people are afraid of public speaking than dying, so they'd rather be in the casket than, you know, giving the eulogy. Um, yeah. So how, how did you um, hone your craft? And let's remember, everyone listening, I am taking notes now because I, I, may, I do feel like I want to do this at some point. So um, for those listening and for me listening, how do you go from, you know, like, even, let's say, for the initial tryout, you, like, worked on a bit. You, like, sort of came up with, like, some different jokes, and they fed into each other, and you practice it. Is that, like, what, is, what does that look like to create, like, the, the routine? Well, the first, right. Well, there's the first time you ever do it. I think you're just trying to get anything, any funny thoughts about yourself together. So, you know, normally people have five minutes. And five minutes, if you don't know what you're doing, and if you're first starting, can sound like an eternity. And if it's, you know, if it's, when you know what you're doing, then okay, then it's a short time. But five minutes is a really hard thing to do because you don't take you take for granted, like like I said, a shop table. You take for granted people actually talking and contributing to the conversation, as opposed to you getting up there, them laughing, you get you saying the whole thing. Like they're waiting for you to say something, and it's a lot of it could be a lot of pressure. So, but like mm -hmm. I, I kind of I had some things that I would say about myself. I wrote some things about myself and wrote things, like, it, it comes from your background. So you, you wrote what you know. You write about being Jewish, you write about your family, you write about, you know, your experience, you know, being from Chicago, I said a Cubs fan, working as a vendor at Regan Field, you know, different kinds of things. So, you know, you, uh, the first tip that I would say is write exactly what your experience is first. Um, mm -hmm. You know, those basic things and then, and then a little bit, like, what stands out. And also, maybe cater into the event a little bit if you can. You know, I'm doing an event at YU, then I'm going to make some jokes about YU specifically. So, um, you know, but but to... Uh, first of all, I also recommend watching The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, but I'm sure you're watching it because everyone is watching it um, on Amazon. So that's also a really good show, just uh, entertaining and also just... It's very interesting to watch uh, somebody develop, you know, getting better at stand-up comedy. So did you have um, comedians that you watched growing up? I'm saying was that you were the funny guy at the Chavez table, but had you sort of paid attention to the experts in the field or not more than a regular person would? Um, I, I guess I peripherally watched stand-up comedy. Like I, I'm, I still remember, like, I think the Saturday night when, like, Seinfeld, I'm telling you for the last time, came out. I remember watching that with my, my dad and my brother. Um, at home, I just remember, I still remember, like, the, some of those jokes. I mean, obviously, I heard it a million times now, but I still remember him, like, saying specific, like, things of, like, you know, how do they know the milk expiration date exactly? Do the cows tip them off when they're milking them, and they just turn around and go, like, July 3rd. Like, I still remember that. So that one definitely stands out. 
Um, also, just like watching a lot of comedy shows like The Simpsons and Seinfeld, which have such quick-witted humor, um, really helped, I guess, uh, subconsciously develop some sort of like sense of you know sense of humor, um, which uh, you know I, I, I with that background, I think it, 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 it's I, like you said, I guess it's like a comedy education type of thing. So definitely Simpsons and Seinfeld, I would recommend the early the early seasons. Uh, uh, to to watch, but um, yeah, that no, that that was that was, those are the main uh, Seinfeld was probably one of the bigger influences growing up. I mean, I think sort of you know as we talk about career paths and how you balance these things as an Orthodox Jew, I think even for just any regular person that dreams of being a stand-up comic, there's not such um, like a straightforward path, and I think. Um, watching comedians and cars getting coffee, and you know some of Jerry Seinfeld's specials, I think. He's pretty fascinated with like the process, with the types of people that are drawn to comedy that you know feel the need to do stand up and how they made it work. So I think that there's no you know sort of simple way for anybody to do this, but um, there are probably unique challenges to doing this as an Orthodox Jew. So well, I guess I would say two things: um, what have been the greatest challenges in this industry as an Orthodox Jew, and then the flip side: what have been the greatest advantages of doing this as an Orthodox Jew. Huh, that's interesting. Um, I definitely think when it comes to you know, challenges, I haven't faced some of those yet because at this moment, I'm I'm working on. I, I perform at a lot of shul shul events, Pesach programs, and for Jew, uh, Jewish centric events. So I kind of cater some of my material for that. Um, when I, I think what the challenges are going to will, will be, if I you know want to expand expand more broadly. Um, would be that some of the best shows probably are on Friday night and, you know, and Shabbos. So, and also, with, how do you tell someone that, hey, they're like, hey, we want you to be uh, performing this event, and you're like, well, I can't do that. I can't work Fridays, Saturdays, random Tuesdays in September. Also, I can't right. stay for random p- points of the year. Um, that's not an effect of, of performing, but, I'm, there, you know, that's definitely something that some of the prime time slots are going to be on the weekend on Friday night. So, if, and people just don't understand, I don't really care if you say, like, I can't do it, and you're like, okay, sorry. Like, if, if you trying to make it, you know, I'll say on to the Tonight Show, and somebody says, okay, can you do this this one night, and something like that, and it's, it's a, say, the audition is on a Shabbos or Friday night, uh, I don't know, it, you know, it's really hard to make that work. Uh, the other thing he said, yeah. you know, advantages of being Orthodox is that I think um, there's a very few people doing um, material for... Um, let's say, to, to catering to an Orthodox audience, let's say. Um, I know a lot of people, a lot of Orthodox people are scared to go to a comedy club. Not scared, but, you know, they're unnerved because you go to a comedy club and usually the comedians are pretty dirty and they're right. just uncom- they'll be uncomfortable by it. So yeah. I think if I could kind of get across that I'm somebody who is Orthodox, who's somebody who, you know, I went to YU, I wear a kippah, not a, it's not a part of a shtick, it's who I am, then to be able to perform and say, hey, here's jokes that, A, I'm, you know I'm going to be clean and appropriate, but also I'm going to do jokes that you're going to relate to about davening and, you know, yellow, yellow guy in shul and, uh, you know, the funny things about Shabbat and stuff like that. I think there's a lot more, there's, there's a lot of space to fill because, you know, Orthodox, you know, people don't necessarily, not, not a lot of people go to comedy clubs and, and they're just like, a lot of shows I'll contact for a comedy night. They'll say, "Hey, we had a comedian in 1985. 
but he swore, so we're never doing that again. And you got to sometimes convince them and say, don't worry, I, I know where we're coming from, and I know how to, you know, kind of relate my humor, and I won't go over the line. So you think that really the path for this career, um, sort of that very narrow saying, stand-up comic in the Orthodox world or from an Orthodox Jew, is to stay within the community as opposed to, you know, because of someone that thinks a lot about Kiddush Hashem and, you know, sort of um, putting that perspective out to the world that shows people that, you know, we're not all these non-smiling extremists, but that there's a lot of people that are just human beings beneath the yarmulke, beneath the wig, that sort of a thing. Um, I'm saying, do you think that there's any growth there or room for, I guess, people from the outside to get an inside look into our world, to see the humor in it, to have stereotypes defied, or where you are right now, this just doesn't seem so appealing or so productive? That's a good question. I I definitely, right now, I, I'm focusing, um, I mean, it's more, you know, getting my name out there in the Orthodox world and trying to be even beyond Orthodox Jews to conservative and reform and other denominations, just because I think there's a lot of Jewish experience that's very relatable. Um, I I definitely think it, it's possible to do it. To I'm sure there's a way to break the you know break it out into the regular world. Um, it's just I would I I have to find that I I want to find that um, you know ability to I don't I always struggle with I don't know how much I have to explain and how much is the explanation funny. But it's interesting because I think there are other religions and other denom- uh, other denominations that people. You know, Kumail Nanjiani is a Pakistani comedian who just came up with a movie, and, like, a lot of his material is about growing up in Pakistan, which most people can't probably, you know, relate to on a, like, actual level, but he explains enough and he makes it funny enough to bring you into his world. So I have to start finding... I, I, I think I can find that way to bring people into my perspective. Um, it's just it's just finding that... that's That's the challenge of... And but I also definitely agree with you that I, I think it's terrible that religious people aren't really portrayed well in the media at all because it's usually kind of like really evangelical Christians who are like you know very radical um, and that's the archetype for a religious person or it's somebody who's Hasidish and and there's no like there's no me in the media usually portrayed of somebody who like dabbles three times a day you know, keeps Shabbos, but also has serious opinions about Seinfeld episodes. Like, that doesn't, that doesn't exist, and I think it's, it's a shame. Completely. I mean, that's really what we say all day long here. What about, um, and this is sort of another question, I don't know if you've ever considered this before, you know, sort of the thing about, I guess, balancing the larger world with, you know, Torah observance, some things we would say are permitted, um, and some things are encouraged. And I'm not sure if you've ever given it any thought about, like, where comedy or humor fits into your role as a Torah-observant Jew. Like, do you think that it's just something that is permitted to be able to, you know, crack some jokes and there's nothing um, sort of explicitly prohibited about it, so, you know, no reason to not do it? Or do you think that um, spending your life making people laugh um, is actually, in a way, a service of God, and so it actually can have a religious element to it? Well, yeah, I think every, I mean, beyond permissive, I would say, I think every comedian, any any Jewish uh, clown or comedian is going to bring up that Gemara and Tanis that says that, you know, they're in the marketplace and it says, 
something like, who are these two guys? Oh, they're going to heaven. Why? Because they're, they're, they're clowns and they make people ha- feel better and they make people happy. And, like, I definitely don't, like, I, I, I believe in God and I believe God gives everyone a certain set of talents and abilities. And God's not going to, if God gave me a sense of humor, it means that God has a sense of humor. And I, I actually, in one of my, I have some jokes about how, like, God, I think God has, uh, definitely has a sense of humor. You know, I, I say about, you know, Amir al-Akum, when you don't, when you have to explain to somebody to turn, uh, a non-Jew to turn something on for you on Shabbos, like your air conditioner, but you can't tell them, you have to hint to them, like it's God's way of saying, if you're going to cheat and use a loophole, I want this to be as hilarious as possible. And yeah. I think that, I think there's definitely, I just definitely think there's, there's ways that it's definitely encouraged. I mean, uh, you know, some people will say, it says, Eid do as Hashem is simple, serve Hashem with, you know, happiness, and some people say, no, that's just a chassidish menhag, we don't follow that. Um, my favorite Jewish joke is is by my comedian Mike Kaplan, who says, uh, somebody wished me a happy Easter, and I said, actually, I'm Jewish, and we don't believe in happiness. And um, I think, to me, to me that, that joke epitomizes a lot of people's perspective, unfortunately, that um, people, people think that you have to be like, Super all the time, and you know, it, it, I mean, part of it is because of you know, Yom Kippur is lost new, and you know, because we made a mockery of serious things, and, and I just think to myself, that's why I get invited in most places. Um, and then I think, and I also think there's a difference between mockery and, and making making light of things. Like I, I don't think just because I have a joke about how annoying it is to say Kiddush Shavana on Saturday night doesn't mean that I am mocking it. And doesn't mean, and I think that's the difference when I'm actually uh, an Orthodox person who's religious, to that I'm actually keeping these things, I'm doing these things, I still find them funny, but it's a very different perspective than the kind of cliched atheist, you know, person who is no longer religious, they grew up either Catholic or you know, or or Jewish, and they don't and they don't observe anything anymore because they just had such a bad experience growing up religiously. And I think if, like you said, if you can show somebody that somebody with a kippah is normal and happens to be observant, I think that's a bigger kedushah than anything you can you can do. And and if you're and if you know, like I even know I said when I was vending at Wrigley Field, somebody once said to me. One of the ushers came up to me and said, "There's a guy who was like, you know, kind of terminally ill. If I could go over to his like section and like make him laugh and, and do something, which is a lot of pressure, but it, thank God, like it, it really gave me a sense, a little bit of sense of purpose. I'm like, hey, maybe I'm just not, maybe I'm not just making jokes for no reason, and maybe there's there's something that actually can really help people here. You know, that reminds me. Um, I I I'm the funny person in my family. No offense to my sisters, um, um, and I think I get my sense of humor from my father, um, and he's a doctor, and one of his good friends um, had a brain tumor, and then, you know, they removed it, and he was good for a number of years, and then it came back, and we all went to visit him in the hospital, and his head was shaved, and he, and my father's a neurologist, so he deals in brains, um, and he had just this huge cut through the top of his head where they had literally just, like, you know, sawed his head in half, and, like, stitches all the way through, and my father saw him, and he said they should just put a zipper on top of there at this point, you know, with all the times we have to go back into your brain. And it was this, like, super serious moment, and it was, the guy was hysterical. And um, I think that there's really such a power that humor can, you know, take the edge off of some really, like, dark and dour moments um, and just, 
you know, it's obviously ridiculous that his head had to get sawed open, you know, numerous times. And, you know, my father kind of jumped on that and um, thankfully pulled it off. Um, but um, what about, I guess, like the line in terms of, you know, because you mentioned before that comedy is not clean. And I would say that Jerry Seinfeld is really someone that I looked up to who doesn't rely on the cursing and the really like vulgarity of um, what so many comedians are doing these days. And maybe because he's like sort of, you know, a little bit more from another time. Um, but I don't know if you have any thoughts on, is it just, I guess my thought is that it's laziness. Why so many comedians are just like, you know, throwing out F bombs and, you know, getting pretty vulgar and gross. Um, so do you have any thoughts on sort of like why people are going down that road? Um, and then like, where is your line? How do you determine your line of, you know, sort of standards or appropriateness? Right. I mean, I, I actually heard an interview with Seinfeld once where he said, you know, uh, cursing or, you know, doing sexual humor is kind of like in a racetrack and you're just cutting across the middle. And he does consider it kind of like cheating, I think, um, which is why he, a big reason why he's clean. I mean, also, I think there are plenty of clean comedians that people don't really necessarily know about. Everybody thinks of Seinfeld and Brian Regan, but, you know, there's Jim Gaffigan, there's uh, Mike Birbiglia, uh, Demetri Martin, uh, Gary Goldman. Like, there are a bunch of names, and John Mulaney. There are a bunch of people who are very clean for the most part, and I don't really curse if, if they do it's minimal um, or necessary. And I think it definitely, um, it's a shame that people, you know, they feel the need. It's, it's, it is easier to, uh, the shock value, it is easier to make a joke and, and curse, and then people will laugh, just because, like you said, any, any comedy book will say, say that it's, you know, it's a release of tension, like the, the situation he said in the hospital, it's a release of tension. So if somebody thinks something's shocking that you're not expecting, yeah, they're they're probably going to laugh. But it'd be done. Is that is that the laugh? You know that you would want. Um, mm-hmm. And I think in, and and definitely one of the bigger challenges is I know that when like Schulz hire a comedian that doesn't really get it, that doesn't get that they're performing for an orthodox audience, is that they'll try material that isn't so relatable necessarily, and then they'll get worse and worse. Uh, you know, it won't it won't necessarily laugh, they won't laugh necessarily. And then when to bail them out, which would normally work, they would go, they go dirty or they go. Or they curse, and which in a orthodox audience is the worst thing you can do because you're just digging yourself deeper and deeper and deeper into the hole. And I, it's, it, I think it is, but it is laziness. And I think there are elements of of things that there are plenty of comedians who do curse, but like I think they're going for a very clever, clever premise. Which sometimes, you know, sometimes I understand that there are, there are jokes that need curse words for it. And but if you get the clever jokes there, actually, then like you don't need to. And I think that's what any comedian would strive to do. For myself, um, I very much. I mean, I, I don't really curse in my everyday life anyway. So it's you know it's it would be strange to do it on stage. People ask me if I wear a keep on stage, and I'm like, I took my keep off. And I'm like, yeah, and he's definitely Catholic. But I look Jewish. I have a sphere of beard in, uh, in one of my, in one of my headshots. Like I'm very Jewish, and like. I think um, I, I, most of the stuff that I say on stage I'm pretty comfortable with because I would feel comfortable saying 95% of rabbis. But then again, you, I, I surprise people all the time. I, I did a, a shovel breakfast a couple of weeks ago, and somebody said, uh, I said a joke, and I said the word kiss. And uh, somebody yelled out, can you go to the next topic? And I was, I 
was like, uh, I was very flustered because I was not, first of all, that's the weirdest heckle I've ever gotten in my life. But also, right. so I, you know, every, again, everybody has their, their lines. But right. Somebody says, you know, talking about drugs would be inappropriate. I, I think drugs is very different than, you know, sexual humor or cursing. I think those are very different things, and everybody has their own lines. I personally um, don't feel, I, I don't curse on, on stage, and I don't, uh, I don't do sexual humor, and, you know, 99% of my stuff, like I said, I do in front of uh, most rabbis. But again, everybody is going to feel differently. Some of my challenge, some of the challenges that people find with me is that my stuff is they make consider like a little bit irreverent because if I make jokes about Tanakh and I say like, you know, Yaakov uh, gets in a fight with the angel and the angel says, "What's your name?" and he says, "Yaakov." And the angel says, "No, from now on, he's Israel." Do you think Yaakov said, "Fine," and I'm still going to have to go by Yaakov at the bank in the doctor's office? Um, some people may be like, "You can't make a joke about Yaakov Avinu," and I right. said that. I, you know, I, I say it's not really a joke about Yaakov Avinu. That's another thing also. People don't always understand who the butt of the joke is. People don't get when you're making a joke. If I make a joke, quote-unquote, about my wife, it's not really about my wife. It's about marriage, which right. is a completely different... And that's something... It, 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 it's my personal experience, but it's about everybody. And that's... Um, right. And just, you know... Yeah. I don't know. No, it's for sure challenging as a writer um, and a video uh, producer. Um, I have a similar challenge of you want to make great content and make it engaging, but um, you know whose whose expense is the joke at essentially. So I find that when I speak, when I write, a lot of times I will do something self-deprecative because you know I've I've cleared myself out on that one that it's okay to do. Um, or I'll mention one of my kids, but I won't say, you know, which one's name. Um, sometimes my husband does bear the brunt of it, but I, I mostly get him to agree before I, I write about something and, and try to, you know, <laughs> write about it in, in a, a positive, you know, um, you know, uh, funny, but still positive, uh, take on, on, you know, who he is or what he does, but for sure it's a challenge. And I think, um, I guess what I would say to listeners is that just because it's not simple doesn't mean that we shouldn't try. And that I think the alternative of, you know, not using your talent because it's too difficult is, is the bad excuse. You know, if you have that God-given talent in there, um, it's probably something you have to sort of reassess and, you know, go to friends with and perhaps, you know, sometimes consult a rabbi about, you know, sort of level of appropriateness. And again, it's, I'm not sure if it's black and white halacha, but more just sort of like, you know, where do I want to be on this issue and, and how do I, you know, do this to the best of my ability? And the naysayers will always be there. You could say nothing offensive and something that is completely normal and because the people have their own issues they will you know freak out for whatever reason um tell our listeners how to find you um okay so i have a website called elliecomedy.com e-l-i comedy.com mostly because the name Leibowitz is very hard to spell um my last name is Leibowitz l-e-b-o-w-i-c-z at gmail.com is my email so i got that email easily because Leibowitz is so hard to spell for a lot of people. Um, I have videos on, on, I mean, I have stuff on Facebook. They can find me on Facebook, Ellie Leibowitz, L-E-B-O-W-I-C-Z, first name E-L-I, um, elliecomedy.com. I have some videos on YouTube. I have my website. Uh, I am doing a lot of shul events, face-off programs, uh, what have you. Uh, I do some comedy clubs uh, all over the city. Um, yeah, I, that's, I, I have Twitter, at Ellie Leibowitz, which... Again, you got to spell it right, but uh, 
at E-L-I-L-E-B-O-W-I-C-Z. Um, and I'm trying to think again. Instagram is Leapstagram, L-E-E-B-stagram. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. We wish you much uh, hatzlacha in your career. And uh, you can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.